Hello, CFL fans. My name is Jack, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the world's only independent CFL podcast entitled No Fair Catch. Today, I want to begin by just doing a little bit of housekeeping. I'm very excited to announce that uh, from the middle of May to the end of June, I'm going to be doing a team-by-team season preview series of podcasts where I'll be talking about all eight franchises in the Canadian Football League and my expectations for what they will be able to accomplish during this upcoming 2012 Canadian Football League season. Uh, I'm also very excited to announce that each of these season preview shows will include a special guest to help me talk about that given CFL franchise. Uh, Some of these guests will be from the written media industry in Canada. Some of these people will be radio hosts from the cities uh, that share uh, that Canadian Football League franchise that we will be doing the preview for. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to, uh, to, to, to do these interviews uh, with these special guests and get their insight and, and just expand the number of people who are appearing on No Fair Catch. It should be a lot of fun. I can't wait to do it. And it should be a lot of fun to listen to. Um, also, just in terms of scheduling, uh, the with the CFL uh, draft taking place on the 3rd of May, uh, I figure that uh, the next Tuesday, that uh, No Fair Catch Tuesday on the 8th, uh, will be a CFL draft wrap-up show, uh, hearing my insight on the uh, the Canadian Football League draft and all that happened there. Uh, then the following weeks, uh, there's seven uh, Tuesdays between that and the beginning of the CFL season, will each be one of the teams on the CFL a preview for that team and at some point they'll have to release two in one week given that there's eight teams in only seven weeks so that's something to be very excited about if you are a fan of this podcast you're going to get double value one of those weeks sometime between the middle of may and the end of june so that's something to mark your calendars for folks because that's going to be a great week of no fair catch and i'm sure you're all shaking in your boots with anticipation and just an unbelievable high, unbelievably high level of enthusiasm for what's coming up. It'll be very exciting. I uh, currently already have two uh, special guests booked. I'm waiting to hear back from a few more people, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. I'm very excited to work with, especially the, the, the two people who have already booked and uh, the few people who are prospectively going to be participating in the podcast. Next, I want to talk about the big CFL news from today. It's been in the media for a long time that this was going to happen. Uh, a special uh, a nod to Farhan Lalji on Twitter for breaking the news and keeping us updated on the process but Travis Lule the uh, reigning CFL MOP has re-signed with the BC Lions uh, the deal is a one plus one deal uh, worth a baseline of $300,000 and uh, could go as high as $400,000 if he is able to win another great cup for the BC Lions and uh, recapture his uh, his title of most outstanding player of the Canadian Football League this is obviously a great deal for BC to get this job done uh, Travis Lule is one of the emerging young stars in the CFL uh, not only is he great on the field he's great off the field doing a ton of uh, of, of, of uh, charity work and things uh, in the in the bc community and uh, personally i think it's amazing how many uh, walls he's broken down for ginger athletes in north america uh, always being taken more seriously uh given their the 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 scarcity uh, of the uh, the red-haired athlete especially in a sport like football and he's helping them being taken seriously <laughs> so congrats to travis lily on his new deal uh, he definitely deserves it uh, today i want to talk about the Casey Printer's effect. I want to talk about why Travis Lule did not get a look south of the border in the NFL because a few people, uh, particularly Falhan Lalji and a few others on Twitter, were saying that Travis Lule is in fact good enough to play in the NFL. I can recall tweets from uh, such people as, da- as Dave Naylor of TSN and a few more, even a few people who are directly connected with the NFL, saying that Travis Lule is in fact good enough to play south of the border. He's got the size, he's got the arm strength, the football awareness, everything he needs to be a successful quarterback back south of the border, and yet he got no interest uh, south of the border before signing the 
this deal. There are rumors that he was going to go for a tryout south of the border somewhere. I forget which team it was with. Uh, however, he uh, not only did he not uh, have a successful tryout, he didn't even get to go on the tryout uh, before re-signing with BC. So why wasn't this the case? Well, as normal, I have the answer, and I'm going to share it with you. First of all, I'd like to talk a little bit about what I'm calling the Casey Printers effect. Casey Printers, as you all know, was a quarterback for the BC Lions in 2004 who came on as a virtually unknown player and ended up winning the Most Outstanding Player Award for that season, leading his team to the Great Cup. Uh, they failed to win the Great Cup championship that year. However, he uh, Casey Printers was signed by the Kansas City Chiefs of the NFL, uh, who hoped that he would turn into a very competent or even elite quarterback in that league. And of course, he failed to do so. He came back up north and again failed to uh, to achieve any of the previous success that he'd experienced in BC with Hamilton and then later with uh, the BC Lions as his former team that he actually was successful with. And given all this fiasco that surrounded Casey Printers and the, the, the bizarreness just of his character and the, 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 low, the low level of his uh, game productivity, I feel as though the teams now in the NFL are less likely to take a chance on a CFL quarterback. Because there were quarterbacks who had success making the transition from CFL to NFL in the past. I'm thinking of Warren Moon. I'm thinking of Jeff Garcia. I'm thinking of... of uh, such players as, uh, or as Doug Flutie and uh, a few more that have, have made that transition uh, mid-career to the NFL uh, to make all that money and have some success south of the border. However, for every quarterback that did make that transition successfully, there's a good handful of quarterbacks who failed to make that transition. I'm thinking Ricky Ray, Dave Dickinson, Henry Burris, etc., etc., etc. And those are just quarterbacks from recent memory who have tried to make that transition, much less dating back into the 90s, 80s, etc., uh, who who didn't who were not successful in making that transition to the NFL because it is a, tra a tough transition to make. But in terms of quarterbacks who have tried to make that transition, I think that Travis Lue would have had one of the highest pedigrees to possibly make that transition work. I I, I do believe that he's a smarter, more ambitious young quarterback than uh, than, than the CFL has seen in a long time, and uh, he would have been a great candidate to possibly move south of the border and and take on the uh, the NFL by storm after possibly getting one or two years. To, to wet his feet. But given that Casey Printers was such a bust, I think that NFL franchises are now less likely to take a CFL quarterback seriously, particularly the one like Travis Lule, who's already 28 years old. 28 isn't that old for a quarterback, given that you know some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL are in their mid-30s. Think you know Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, etc., etc., etc. However, I do, I do believe that Casey Printers' experience down south has made NFL GM is less likely to take on a CFL quarterback. Uh, in addition to that, I think another reason that Travis Lule didn't get a look is how sophisticated the NFL draft has become uh, and how much how much more so even since Casey Printer's transition in the NFL in 2005 uh, the NFL draft is a huge huge uh, industry and uh, so much money and manpower and, and everything goes into uh, uh, analyzing these picks and analyzing the players coming out of U.S. colleges and even in some uh, more recent cases, uh, Canadian colleges, and, and, and just to make sure that they're getting the top quality picks that they can and, and, and easing the transition of these young players into the professional ranks uh, because it is a huge industry and something that fans can get excited about and, and dealing with the young players ensures future success of the National Football League. So given those two main factors being the Casey Printers effect and the sophistication of the NFL, NFL draft. I don't think that we're going to see not only Travis Lule, but any CFL quarterback make the transition to the NFL again sometime in the recent future. 
So aside from that, I've decided to take a look just briefly at the uh, the actual job availability south of the border. Because, you know, for, a, for an NFL quarterback to uh, to pick up a CFL quarterback in hopes that they become a competent or even elite starter, uh, they need to, first of all, have need at that position of quarterback. And uh, what I found was kind of surprising, actually. Uh, there were seven quarterbacks that I would personally identify as being elite NFL quarterbacks uh, south of the border. And those, of course, are Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees. And I know some people are going to rag on me for, for saying that Ben Roethlisberger is indeed an elite quarterback. And the truth is, I dislike him just as much as everyone else does. But there's no there's no arguing that he is an elite quarterback. He's won two Super Bowls. He always gets his team into the playoffs. And uh, he might be an idiot, but he, he is a very good quarterback. Uh, there's no arguing that. Uh, so I decided, again... Uh, seven elite quarterbacks. The second group that I came up with was 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 groups of competent quarterbacks. These are quarterbacks who uh, some of them are developing into elite quarterbacks. Uh, some of them are just guys who who have kind of made their career being you know not Pro Bowl level quarterbacks, but but guys who can kind of get it done uh, week in week out. And these competent quarterbacks are Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, Matt Schaub, Matt Castle. Michael Vick, Jay Cutler, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Josh Freeman, Sam Bradford, Alex Smith, and Matt Flynn. And now some of these guys, you know, if you take a look at, you know, for example, Sam Bradford or Cam Newton, some of the names that I said, uh, Matt Stafford, as being just competent quarterbacks, these are guys who I would agree in three years possibly would be all considered elite quarterbacks. But that'll be after kind of the fresh crop of elite quarterbacks currently are retired or, or at least their, their, their game has deteriorated enough that there's room for those new elite quarterbacks uh, to take charge because you know without a doubt given you know the one season he has under his belt cam somebody like cam newton for instance is destined for greatness and uh, amazing things uh, then i decided to take a look at um, this is a bit of a joke but at the same time so are these players uh, i take a, i took a look at the uh, the next group that i would call the disillusioned uh, teams uh, these are quarterbacks who have managed to disillusion their teams into believing that they are in fact the real deal and somebody who can be a star or at the very least a competent quarterback week in and week out in the NFL. Uh, these, these players include Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Buffalo Bills, uh, Mark Sanchez of the New York Jets, uh, Carson Palmer of the Oakland Raiders, Tony Romo of the Dallas Cowboys, and Kevin Kolb of the Arizona Cardinals. I don't personally believe that any of these guys should be starting week in and week out in the NFL, but for whatever reason, their GMs have decided, yes, we need these guys. They are our future, and they will win us championships up the wazoo. Uh, these are guys who aren't going anywhere given the length of the contracts that they've been signed, particularly the one that Mark Sanchez got this offseason in terms of monetary value is insane given the production that he's had on, on the field. But again, for some reasons, these quarterbacks have been able to on their teams and holding on to them and wanting them uh, desperately. Uh, aside from that, the fourth group of five that I came up with for NFL quarterbacks was the Bloomers. These are players who are coming up through the system, and uh, some of them are, are still have not yet to play an NFL game. They're going to be drafted in 2012. Uh, in, in the coming months, I believe the NFL draft is about a month away. Um, and others just have uh, they have a, they have a little bit of experience. Uh, they had a little bit of rookie experiences the, uh, this past year in their rookie years uh, in 2011. Uh, these players uh, for me uh, include Christian Ponder, uh, Robert Griffin Jr., who's going to be drafted uh, by the uh, the Redskins in the upcoming draft, second overall. Uh, these players include uh, Jake Locker of the Tennessee Titans, uh, Blaine Gabbert of the Jags, and Andrew Luck, another player who's yet to be drafted but will undoubtedly be drafted number one overall by the Colts in the coming weeks. So with these four. Groups, 
groups. Uh, that, that That's a total of 30 quarterbacks in the NFL amongst just 32 NFL franchises. So let's take a look at this. What we're saying with that list, there's 30 teams in the NFL who wouldn't seriously even consider bringing in another quarterback unless it was simply to back up their current one or an extraordinarily low-risk case such as an undrafted uh, free agent uh, who can come on for one or two uh, training camps and, and possibly show some signs of being the next Kurt Warner. And those teams are two of the most hard luck NFL franchises in the entirety of the United States of America, with those two teams being the Cleveland Browns and the Miami Dolphins, uh, two teams that have been struggling a lot over the past seasons, and the two teams that I would identify as being the only ones who would even consider bringing in a CFL quarterback to their franchises. Now, Cleveland, given that they have the fourth overall pick in this draft, uh, are, 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 it's rumored anyways that they're, being, uh, that they're seriously considering drafting Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback out of Texas A&M. He's not really good enough to be a fourth overall pick but at the same time they have a huge need at the position given the failure of Colt McCoy and you know they want to keep fans interested coming to games uh, so it's likely that the Browns are, are going to be taking a quarterback in the draft and that really just leaves the Miami Dolphins at that point uh, and Miami they haven't been able to do anything right over the past seasons uh, it's likely that they're going to go into this season with the uh, the not exactly tantalizing quarterback tandem of, of David Garrard and Matt Moore uh, in addition to that, they have one undrafted uh, uh, player uh, playing, I guess, third-string quarterback for them named Pat Devlin. I've never seen him play. I uh, don't imagine he's that good. Um, so really, if, if you are surprised, if you're one of those people out there who's surprised that uh, that Travis Lulee never got a look south of the border, well, look at first of all, look at the team south of the border and uh, and look at look at the job market. There's really no market out there uh, for, for a team to bring in a CFL quarterback, just given the, the number of teams that are either very satisfied with what they currently have or, or, or have already put things in place to, uh, to be satisfied with what they have in one or two years after their, their rookie selection uh, has has had a chance to uh, to get his feet wet and learn more about what it takes to be a quarterback in the NFL. So if you look at those three things, with those being the Casey Printers effect, the growth of the NFL draft, and the very poor job market that's currently open for quarterbacks south of the border, it's no surprise whatsoever that Travis Lulee is sticking around north of the border to continue playing for the BC Lions. And I think that unless we see a really blue chip candidate, uh, for somebody like a Cam Wake, for instance, who's had a lot of success in the NFL since leaving Canada, I don't believe that we're ever going to see another quarterback leave the Canadian. Football League. Sure, if there's a next foreign moon, yeah, we're seeing them leave. But in the instance of Travis Lule, we can all be thankful that he's not going anywhere. And in the future, I'd personally be shocked if we saw anybody make that jump, barring a real miracle of sorts with a, uh, a potential Kurt Warner or somebody like that by some happenstance making it north of the border for a short period of time. So with that said, I want to say thank you so much for joining me for another episode of No Fair Catch. I'm Jack, this is No Fair Catch, and I want you to have a wonderful day. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at, at @jacknofaircatch, or feel free to email me at nofaircatch at gmail.com. Thank you, and remember to stay tuned for my team-by-team -team season previews starting mid-May.